What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another college basketball show here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. She is Abby Schnabel. I am Noah Hiles. Another week of college basketball in the books, Abby. And uh, it, it looks, you know, I remember earlier in the show we were debating on, you know, who would actually have the best season um, out of all the teams that you cover, <laughs> all the teams in the area. I think that answer has become pretty clear as to who has the most optimism as we roll into really the final month of the regular season, uh, Pitt continues to stay hot. And while Duquesne, you know, had won four straight prior to their loss, just looking at where what Pitt has done as far as in this five of six game stint, the victories that it has had, it's creeping back in. Yeah. So we we do this show with a question, a highlight, and a prediction. And my question to you to start things off. Will a win next week at Virginia put Pitt back on the bubble? For context, right now, Virginia is not a bubble team. It is just a it is a it is a tournament team. Mm -hmm. Uh after it's won seven straight, plays, I think, Florida State this weekend, or it might play Miami again, one of the two. And if it can win that game, it'll be eight straight. It'll probably be ranked next week when that matchup takes place on Tuesday. So Abby, is that enough? Is is six out of seven? with wins over two ranked opponents on the road enough to get Pitt at least back on the bubble? So uh, the pessimist in me says no, I, but I did add no, but a win um, at Virginia and Wake Forest well. I think mm -hmm. that's the determined, like handle business against Louisville, um, win at West Virginia and at Wake Forest, show that you can beat a team that you lost to earlier in the season, Wake Forest. Um, wait, they lost to Wake Forest, right? No, they beat Wake Forest. They sorry, beat Wake sorry, Forest. Sorry, yes. sorry, sorry. They I'm lost to Clemson. Yes, You're good. Thank you. Losing my brain today. Um, why I say winning at Wake Forest will do it for me, and I think other bra or and I'm not a bracketologist, but for bracketologists, I could see some putting them on the bubble after a win at UVA. Like that's that's a big win for sure. But I think the more convincing, like, to do on the road twice against Wake Forest, who is a bubble team in the ACC. Because I think where we're at in the year now is you need to show where you rank among NCAA tournament teams and bubble teams. And I just, I, I fear that those losses against Syracuse weigh them down a lot in the ACC stock. And that's why I'm like, maybe not a win against Virginia, but just a win against Virginia. You have to win at Virginia, handle business against Louisville, and then win at Wake Forest, and then I feel confident that they're on the bubble. I just think that there's too many other things, like other losses on their plate that, that outweigh a win at UVA to really just solidify that bubble stance. Um, but what do you think? I think the win at Virginia gets them at least in the bubble conversation where there may be the next four out or even uh, considered, you know, th th it would probably replace, and it's ironic because this is the only team they've lost to over the last six games, they'd probably leap over Miami, mm -hmm. I think, with just a climb. And then you got to figure if they beat Virginia, they take care of business at home at Louisville that Saturday. Now you're looking at a team that's won seven of its last eight, it's won five straight, and it's won, I believe, five games on the road in that stretch or something along those lines. Um, but nonetheless, and, and those 
those are all a lot of those seven wins would have been quality victories. You look over road foes like Virginia, like Duke, and you're, you're starting to build a little bit more of a resume. I, I don't think, like I said, if Pitt goes two and zero next week, that we see it as even like a Dayton team. But I think we start seeing its, it's name be brought up. Yeah, in bracketology projections. One of the bracketologists, be it Lenardi <laughs> or Palm or DeCourcy or whoever else, might have them as I'm considering them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a good spot to be when you are going to be playing at Wake Forest at Clemson later this month. Because those are two road quad one opportunities where you can A pass up a, another bubble team, like you said, against Wake Forest, and then Clemson, uh, who looks to be a lock for the NCAA tournament. Um, there are still opportunities out there. Absolutely. I don't, I genuinely don't think Pitt will be viewed as a, even like where it was last year, where it was like, it's probably going to make the tournament. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think it'll have that status unless it goes seven and one in its last it, eight. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I also don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. So just looking, the, I think that, yes, the Virginia, the Virginia game next week, has an opportunity to truly make Pitt's progress into something really serious. And yeah. uh, if not, if you lose that game, it's not the end of the world, but you pretty much have to win out. Yeah. Uh, but if you win that one, you give yourself some serious life. So that's that's my take on it. Um, we'll move on now to the highlight. Abby, I, uh, as I was flying home from... Raleigh this morning, as I always do on my flights, I like to to read uh, the Post Gazette. I hope everyone watching this also <laughs> likes to read the Post Gazette. Um, and I was reading your game story from Duquesne's loss last night to Davidson, mm-hmm. and something really stood out to me in the story. Uh, it was a quote from Keith Danbrot and talking about why he hasn't been playing some of his key players. Uh, as much and he just kind of talked about how he holds them to a higher standard and he mentioned that you know I held LeBron James the best player in the world arguably the best player ever uh, to a higher standard when I was coaching him so if if that's what I expect for him then I expect that from everybody and it was just I just found that quote interesting because you know obviously the season is not gone according to plan for Duquesne and this was supposed to be a veteran-led team. This was supposed to be, you know, the guys that he's talking about in this quote here, they were supposed to be the guys that were were taking the charge here and, and not allowing Duquesne to lose some of the games it's lost. So I just wanted to get your thoughts as someone who's covered the team more extensively just on this quote, and, and is it kind of a reflection of where this team is mentally right now with a month remaining in the regular season. I think some important context to give is what led up to um, that quote. Uh, absolutely, it stood out. There's a reason I put it in the quotable section. Um, and Jimmy Clark and Day-Day Grant, like you said, were supposed to be the leaders. But when you look at last night's game, the, I mean, the more the story of the season has been that they have not been able to be consistent offensively for longer than like a minute <laughs> which is very um, frustrating, I'm sure, for fans, I'm sure for them, and just watching the game. It's really hard to get invested when when they go on super short droughts. So the question before this question was about the – he talked – 
Damrot talked about there was this group of players on the floor where he felt they played the best defensively and offensively. And those five players were um, transfer grad student Andre Saversov, sophomore forward David Dixon, freshman Jakob Nikas, um, freshman Jake DeMichael, uh, Jake DeMichael and and senior or not senior sophomore Kareem Rosier. So the only person above a sophomore status in that five is Andre Saversov, and his playing time has been severely limited. So I think the fact that it was with him in there too speaks volumes. And then so someone asked Damrot, how do you balance? Uh, like you know, you have these two leading guys who you played on the bench for for a short amount of time. Um, or who you played or you held back. I mean, they averaged 32 points uh, or 32. Day-Day, oh, sorry, words are so hard today. Um, Day-Day uh, averages 32 minutes a game and, and uh, Jimmy averages 30. And they played 22 and 28 respectively, which isn't, I mean, for, for Clark, that isn't that big of a drop. But for Day-Day, that's a, that's a 10-minute drop from his average. Um, but when you look at it, it's, it's Dambra is is one, He's always going to give it to you straight. Yes. <laughs> and, and two, he's going to, in his thing all season, they've been dealing with rotation issues all season, is I'm going to play the people who are playing the best in the moment. And so while Day Day Grant and Jimmy Clark might be the best players on this team, they're not the best players on the team right now. And I think that's super frustrating for Danbrot, for them even. And, and because how do you – you bench them, you still want them to buy in and play hard minutes when they're in, but then you take them out the moment they make a mistake. And that's what led to the quote is, is I have to hold them accountable because this is a time where you need your leaders. They're trying to make a run. They're trying, they were trying to, after dropping the first five of the year, they were trying to win the next five. And, and to have your two leading scorers, your two leaders on this team, not be consistent and, you know, maybe give Day-Day a little bit of an asterisk with the fact that he's coming off of a concussion that can really affect you. But there's just been so – they've been so inconsistent. And, I mean, in a must-win game for them, I guess every game's a must-win game. But last night they, they viewed it as a must-win. And the two of them combined for three for eight, scored nine points, and had three turnovers. Meanwhile, you got sophomore David Dixon scoring ten points – um, transfer uh, grad student Fusini Drame scoring 15 and freshman Jake DeMichael scoring 15. Like, as great as it is to have those contributions, absolutely it's great. Those are the numbers you're expecting from your leaders in addition to these guys. And I think that's, that's this, I think the best word to put it is frustrating. This whole season has been kind of frustrating and to not have these minutes from your um, to not have good minutes from from these leaders, I think that's what Damrot was trying to get to. Is look, I held LeBron James to a high standard. I'm gonna hold these guys to a high standard too. And if that means benching them after they make a silly mistake or if they take a bad shot, that's what I'm gonna do. Especially when there are guys, um, other guys that are making differences elsewhere. Yeah, it, it's been interesting to see from afar because it, it looked like early on there was so much depth on this Duquesne team, and it it seemed like they had that senior leadership and to go along with it, there were some exciting newcomers or young pieces. And now it just kind of from afar again, it just looks like there's just kind of a hodgepodge of players where they still don't know who their best five are consistently night by night. And every game, it's just kind of something different where, you know, most teams that are competitive by February 8th, they know who their top seven, who their top eight are. 
I don't know if Duquesne, I mean, Duquesne might not, might know who their best eight players are, but they don't know what order that's going to be. They have no idea what order that's going to be in night by night where, and again, sure. There are teams throughout the country. You could point to teams as talented as UConn or a team that's trying to get on the bubble like Pitt or whatever. And you have at least a general idea of, okay, these guys, these three players, one of these three is probably going to lead us in scoring. One of these three guys probably going to lead us in rebounding. One of these guys probably going to lead us in assists. We have these three people who can do these things on the defensive end. We have these three guys who contribute to the ball movement. All types of that stuff. There just seems to be no defined roles and, and no consistency in any area. Um, aside from the guys who you didn't really expect it from. Yes. And those guys, the the graduate transfers, the the freshmen, you know, they have a role, but what is the role? Is 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 their production really going to make them the star of the team now? Like is that is that the commitment? Is that are they now the Day Day Grant? Or is Day Day Grant still Day Day Grant? And are they just it's just kind of a, a really weird uh I don't know, mess. Yes. There's no better way to put it. I mean, I, I mean, I definitely didn't think that I would be going in um to almost every single game knowing that the most consistent players were going to be um, Jake DeMichael, freshman Jake DeMichael, walk-on Jake yeah. DeMichael, and, and sophomore David Dixon, who didn't even play this summer because he was recovering from an injury. Like, those two, in my, my mind, are arguably the most consistent because even when they're not scoring, they're contributing in other areas. And I just don't think Jimmy and Day-Day right now are, are showing that when they're not scoring – they can contribute in other areas. I mean, because Day-Day, you know, is coming off of a 31-point game against Rhode Island. Obviously, he has an impact on the offense. But I'm just not seeing enough from these guys on the other end or doing things when they're not scoring. And I think, like you said, that's that's it's so confusing, so frustrating. I mean, they played 12 guys last night. At this point in the season, who's playing 12 guys? Not many teams. No, are, not many good teams. No, and I think that's what's crazy because, you know – 12 guys is maybe normal for the beginning of the season, but it's February 8th and we're seeing more often than not Danbrot's playing 10 to 12 guys a game. Yeah. The, and you know, I, I think of when you ask like who's playing 12 guys again, I think back to that one Kentucky team that was like 39 and or 30 something and Oh, and lost in the final four. They wasn't that the team that had the blue squad and the white squad where they were like yeah. 10 deep and they would just, <laughs> but it's like, I don't know if Duquesne, you know, has the, has the Harrison twins coming off the bench and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we'll move on now to the final portion of the show, which is prediction. Uh, Pitt continues its climb in the ACC standings, Abby. Not long ago, this team was second to last in the league um, behind only ahead of Louisville. Uh, Right now, Pitt is uh, ninth in the league, actually tied for what would be seventh, I believe in the league. Uh, right now, it would it would not have the tiebreaker over either of the opponents that it's tied with, though, because it is 0-3 combined against Syracuse and Miami. So it's ninth in the overall standings, but tied for sixth, or tied for seventh, excuse me. I want to ask, just looking at how this team's playing right now, looking at the schedule ahead, the ninth seed gives Pitt the final bye in the ACC tournament. It would It would start the second day of the event, because 10 would play 15, 11 would play uh, 14, and 13 would play 12 on the first day. So the second day, Pitt will be matched up against the eight seed, which right now would be, I believe, Miami. So is that where Pitt is going to be 
for the rest of the year? Is it kind of an eight or a nine? Or do you think that this team could climb into, I don't think it'll be a top four. Um, yeah, I just don't see that happening. <laughs> so it's not going to get a double buy, but could it be around where it was last year about the end of the standings? Is there a chance we see this team as like a five or a six in this tournament and, and giving itself a much better path to maybe a semifinal? I think six is 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 the the best that yeah. I see them at. I don't really see them getting higher than that because that would assume that they're overcoming not only Syracuse and Miami, but also NC State. And while they did beat NC State, and it could happen, um, I I just I just don't see them getting much higher than six because after NC State it is it, Florida State, and it's just. I think they're. It's. I'm confident that they're. They're gonna get a buy. I don't think there's really much of a chance of them getting a double buy, but I really do think that they're handling business right now. And I think that's that's what we said a couple weeks ago that they really needed to do. They needed to have some flashy road wins, and they needed to handle the games at home. And and these past two games at home, we've seen that they can do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any reason why they couldn't get up to a six seed. I have a hard time seeing them getting past a six seed. Um, but anywhere from the six, seven, eight range, I think is, is, is reasonable. I just, I don't see them getting much worse because I feel like they're finally, they finally figured out what works the best for them. Um, I also don't see them, like you said, surpassing, um, anything or to get the double buy. I just don't see that happening, but you know, I feel like getting a six seed, I mean, even a seven seed, not ideal, but like getting a six seed would put them in a much better position than they are now. Um, I mean, the ACC tournament's going to be a banger no matter what. But, yeah. like, you want to be the, the best seed that you can to give you the best path. And because especially for Pitt, like, they've got not much to lose at this point, and especially heading into the ACC tournament. get Like, that's what they should be playing for right now is, is winning in the conference season to get the best seed possible, guarantee yourself a trip to the NCAA tournament. And and while I'd love to see them get that double bye, I just don't see it happening um, but a six seed, I feel like they, they would do well with. Yeah, that's where I think their ceiling probably is. Um, I, I don't see them. They're, they're not catching Duke in North Carolina. <laughs> uh, and Virginia looks to have really caught fire. Uh, that might be a team that actually could catch them in the conference standings. It's actually ahead of Duke by a half game right now and uh, only a half game. Uh, behind North Car or one game, excuse me, behind North Carolina for the lead. So I think those three are leading the pack. And then you you're gonna have you don't I don't see Florida State sticking around toward the top of that. Um I wasn't terribly impressed with NC State. Uh Syracuse with Benny Williams's departure. I don't know what they have left in the tank. And Miami is hit or miss. It could be a team with you know those veterans that catches fire or it could be a team that could say screw it and kind of falls apart like we saw last year with North Carolina. Um, so just, just looking at it, I think down the stretch, I think Pitt is probably playing as the fourth best team right now in the league, fourth or fifth. Um, does that mean it will finish fourth or fifth? Probably not. Uh, you know, you're going to have some lulls in it in the rest of the year. Uh, but I think, you know, a seven and one, six and two finish gets this team probably to around a six seed. Yeah. And, and I like that spot in the bracket for the Panthers because you're giving yourself probably two really winnable matchups. Mm -hmm. uh, and you you can't ask for much more than that. And, and while, sure, 
This is a team that beat Duke. This is a team that had North Carolina on the ropes for probably 30 minutes. Um, the longer you can go in avoiding those two teams, the better in this <laughs> yeah. tournament. In uh, Virginia, probably in that same category, although we'll see how Pitt matches up against Virginia. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the way it's playing now, it can finish, what, 13-7 and seven in the in the league. And that would be... I would probably be around, yeah, like a six seed. And I don't know if, I don't know what that would mean as far as its tournament prowess going into that event, but it, it, it gives you a chance to make some late additions where if you're, where you say, if you, if they stay where they're at now as an eight or a nine, you're looking at, you know, maybe an easier first round matchup, although you'd be playing to currently be playing one of the two teams you really struggled with this year. Um, and then you're getting past the Syracuse or a Miami to just be welcomed by North Carolina, who's waiting on a couple of days rest. <laughs> so that's not ideal. But yeah, I, I think that this team's better than a nine seed. I don't know if it's much better than a six seed in that in that bracket. Abby, any final thoughts as we wrap up today's show? I would just like to say that I did call the record between the two teams, Duquesne and Pitt, last night. Um, our One of our editors, yes. Cameron Hoover, texted Noah and I to tell us that he was on the desk. Um, and I said, I would just like at least one win. And Pitt won, and Duquesne lost, so I called it. I didn't get to watch much of Pitt. I did watch it in the various media timeouts that I had, but... No, at least one team's doing well. And I mean, I don't think Duquesne's too far from that. I just think they haven't found the recipe and we're running out of time to find the recipe. But who knows? They might find it at the A-10 tournament. Could happen. She's Abby Schnabel. I'm Noah Hiles. You can follow our work at post-gazette.com and you can keep tuning into the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network where we'll have all of your Pittsburgh sports coverage. We'll see you next week. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.